Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm really happy to be joined by Dr. Amy Parekh, who's the Chief Medical Officer at Grand Rounds Incorporated, which is a company that acts as a personal healthcare assistant, connecting patients to high-quality doctors and top-rated medical facilities in their insurance network. Dr. Parekh leads clinical and provider strategies to accelerate the company's leadership in employee health navigation. She is passionate about using her skills and knowledge base to help as many people as possible facing difficult healthcare decisions. Dr. Parekh is also an associate professor in internal medicine at UCSF. So Dr. Parekh, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks for having me. So can you start by telling us a bit about your background, what led to your interest in pursuing a career in medicine? Yeah, absolutely. So I was not necessarily going to be a doctor when I went to college. I thought I was going to be a poet, actually. But, you know, I went to a liberal arts college and was exposed to a lot. Love science always, but really felt like my passion was bringing science to people. So really early in my career, I decided I would learn as much as I could, both about the sciences like biology, but also about the political sciences. Like how do we communicate effectively? How do we make systemic change? And that I think prompted me to pursue, I would say, a non-traditional track, which is after college, I went to McKinsey and Company, again, with the idea of how do we solve hard problems? Because I think when you want to solve hard problems, like in healthcare, you really need a breadth of problem-solving capabilities. No single discipline is going to give us all of the tools in the toolbox to make change. And while I was at McKinsey, got exposed to new ways of approaching problems, really understood the economics behind healthcare, and then went to medical school and law school at Yale, the few reasons why, you know, really pushed me into that direction was to say, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. September 11th happened while I was at McKinsey in New York. I knew I had to have a profession where I got some gratification that I was doing something inherently good. And one of those things is being a doctor. But the law school is sort of continuation of the theme that I had learned in college, which is if we're going to solve hard problems, it's not only going to come from clinicians. It's going to come from this cooperation between people across disciplines. So that's how I ended up, you know, with a slightly different track than most people as they are building their medical professions. But it's one that I found really fulfilling because I still learn something new every single day about healthcare. Absolutely. Your background reminds me a bit of one of our closest advisors and, and my, one of my mentors who also appeared on the Raise Line podcast. Her name is Lois Nora. She ran the American Board of Medical Specialties, was the dean of several med schools, but also has an MD, JD, MBA. And given your experience at McKinsey, which all my friends who've gone to McKinsey say it's like a mini MBA program, it sounds like you have all of that training. So you joined Grand Rounds in 2018, correct? That's right. Can you tell us a bit more about the company and what inspired you to join them? Yes. So Grand Rounds is a national technology company that's trying to raise the standard of healthcare for everyone, everywhere. As a clinician, you know, I had already had this past experience at UCSF where I was the chief medical officer for population health and clinical integration. I had worked at places like Brigham and Women's in Boston, and I knew I had to be a part of a mission-driven organization. So when I realized it was time to start working with a technology company to learn yet another language of how we can solve healthcare problems, I needed to find a company where I was aligned with the mission first and foremost, where everyone I talked to at Grand Rounds 
was 100% there because they believe healthcare as we do it today in America is broken. And they believe we can use technology to make it better. The first thing I would say when you're switching a job or what you do, make sure it's mission aligned with your values. So that was first and foremost. I think the second is, you know, in my past roles, I would sit with clinicians or clinician leaders and everyone would complain that technology wasn't changing healthcare the way it was changing every other aspect of their life. So, you know, as a working mom, technology has, I would say, enabled me to be a working mom, especially right now in COVID. I mean, you can do almost everything on your phone or through your computer. We're doing a digitally based podcast right now, teaching the world about things. These are things that we couldn't do when I was in medical school. And yet healthcare felt so old school, for lack of a better word. Like we still would make our patients wait in waiting rooms. We'd still make them drive to see us. People would get frustrated with bills. They'd get them in the mail. They wouldn't understand what they meant. And we just complain about it. And it just felt like it was time for me to stop complaining about it and do something about it and to sort of go to a technology company where maybe I could bring the expertise of the healthcare system and how we think about you know things on the ground and match it with really, really smart folks who know how to engage members digitally, who know how to use data in new and innovative ways to make us more precise in our recommendations to really move that needle. So that's why I made the jump from the traditional healthcare system to a healthcare startup. That's awesome. I mean, it's hardly started now given what I've learned about how big the reach you all have. For our audience, a lot of them are early stage healthcare professionals. I know you all are hiring healthcare professionals as well. Do you mind giving them a, a sense of kind of the size and scope? And, you know, if you close your eyes and imagine Grand Rounds in five years, what are you hoping to achieve at Grand Rounds? Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about what Grand Rounds actually does, as opposed to why I joined. We really do three main things. We deliver expert medical opinions to over 6 million Americans across the country. So what that means is if you have a diagnosis or you're on a treatment plan and you don't know if it's the right one, we'll connect you with a true expert in that disease area to say, let's get this person the right diagnosis and let's get them on the right treatment path. I think it's a sad state of the world, but we change diagnoses about 10% of the time and we change treatment paths about 50% of the time. So there's a lot of non-evidence-based care being practiced in the United States. And so it's really democratizing access to that expertise. About a year before I joined Grand Rounds, we launched Healthcare Navigation because we realized that wouldn't we rather live in a world where we didn't have to change diagnoses 10% of the time and we didn't have to change treatment plans 50% of the time, just get people started on the right track first. So invested a lot in data and data science to say, how do we help people find in the first place the highest quality doctor in their network for them? And really this launching navigation where we're helping patients find the highest quality care getting rid of the friction of healthcare, so helping them with their financial bills and their administrative problems to make it easier for patients to navigate the healthcare system that you know, we've sadly made quite complex in the United States was really the second phase of Grand Rounds growth. And with that, you know, we serve, I think, over 140 customers, over 6 million lives, and have really, I think, changed the trajectory of care for populations as opposed to just individuals at this point. And our third phase, which is really exciting, and we launched this in 2020, is virtual care. So we're now providing actual medical care across all 50 states for patients who you know can't access care. 
we recently received funding to go from providing, let's say, more comprehensive urgent care to true virtual primary care. And as I think about the next two to five years of this company, that's really where we're going to be focused. How do we get the synergies from expertise plus navigation plus virtual care so that we can truly improve outcomes and decrease the total cost of care for populations? In terms of numbers, we're about 700 people. We have three locations, San Francisco, Reno, and Maine, and about 30% of our staff is remote. And so we have clinicians in all states who work for us, and we use a lot of technology to make that happen. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible to scale. And, you know, obviously, I'm sure this plan was coming together even before COVID, and we'll get into, into COVID in a second. But you know, there are a lot of very innovative primary care models coming out. We've had a number of them on the podcast, including Iora Health and ChenMed and Carbon Health, and we'll have Oscar in a couple couple of weeks joining us. You know, what are some of the key differentiating factors you think? I mean, obviously, your UCSF role, you have a tremendous amount of experience in population health data, which I'm sure has contributed to capitated models that you're looking at. But what do you think will make Grand Rounds a bit different as far as its offering? So I think the first thing is one thing I've been really impressed with at Grand Rounds is we learn from patients. So we both use the evidence. So we all know patient-centered medical homes have much better outcomes than what I would say traditional fee-for-service-based primary care had. Truly team-based care makes a difference. So we're going to do all those things because everyone should if you're developing primary care models. But it's also we are talking to patients and learning that you know members often don't even know what primary care is. It's sad because I think everyone in healthcare knows what primary care is and knows that it's a thing that can truly change outcomes for patients. But if you're a person, you might not actually know what it means to have a primary care doctor and how that's different from having an urgent care doctor. So I think there's a lot of really understanding the end user that has to happen as we think about primary care and how do we get primary care to more people. So that's, I think, first and foremost, what I've loved about Grand Rounds. It's this continued focus on the end user, which is in our case, a member or a patient. The second is make it easy. It has to be so easy. If it's something that you want patients to engage in, which I think we all want patients to engage in primary care, it has to be multi-channel, everywhere, the easiest thing, all hours of the day. It cannot be you know, scheduled around the provider. It has to be around the patient. So we're 24-7. You can do it from your phone. You can do it by chat. You can do it from video. You can Do it the way you want to do it so that it's really easy for the patient. And then the third is the patient has to derive value from it. And that has to be value that the patient feels, not the people who get excited about the A1C reduction, which I'm definitely in that camp. But a lot of patients don't see value in dropping their A1C. And so how do we make primary care something that the patients actually value and they see the value of engaging with it? I think COVID was a great opportunity for us because you see patients suddenly realized they need a primary care doctor because when this urgent thing came up, they didn't know who to turn to. So I think really educating patients on why having a primary care doctor can make their lives better and easier to manage will go a long way. But then I think the big differentiators for Grand Rounds is that we're coming from navigation. So I've been in clinic before and someone will ask you, okay, doc, how much is this going to cost me? My patients used to call me Dr. Amy. Dr. Amy, you're asking me to get this lab test do you know how much it's going to cost me? And I sadly couldn't tell them, you know, back in my old clinic days and at Grand Rounds, because we have navigation, 
we'll be able to actually educate around the cost and the value of that cost and see if there's a way to help the patient decrease that cost of care if we think it's truly preventive. The other is this idea that virtual first care will make it so much easier for patients, but there will always need to be in-person care. So how do we use all the data that we've already accumulated, all the quality information we already have on bricks and mortar care in any network to say, okay, now Shiv, you need a cardiologist. And I'm going to make sure that you see the highest quality cardiologist in your network because that's going to then improve all of your outcomes. And I don't think any of the other models out there have that clear connection with quality-based navigation that we we have inherently because of our starting point. And so I think those are probably the main differentiators for Grand Rounds as we enter into this new space. Yeah, that, that's very exciting. You know, we recently had Vivian Lee, who's the president of Verily, and she used to run University of Utah Health System. You probably mm-hmm. know her. She yeah. wrote the book, The Long Fix. And one of the chapters was, how do you go from being just a caregiver to a co-producer of health? So your first point about how Grand Rounds learns from patients and empowers them and gets them in the process reminds me of what she really advocates as well. Yeah, it's a great book. Recommended. Totally. So, you know, let's go to COVID. You know, we launched this podcast, Raise Line, in the midst of COVID last year. And the whole point was, how do we, can we interview leaders like yourself to talk about how are you going to adapt to COVID? And then coming out of COVID, what are some of the lasting changes we think will be in the healthcare system? You've obviously touched upon virtual care as being one of those omni-channel care, but would love to hear, you know, even on the micro basis, like you as a provider, how kind of the COVID story has played out for you, but then also from Grand Rounds experience, how COVID has, has played out. Yeah. Well, I think, why don't I start with the Grand Rounds experience? I think COVID taught us how to scale at ridiculously fast speed. So, you know, when COVID became a known entity, which is about this time last year, we predicted that this was going to be a big deal. But actually some, you know, there were a lot of people who were like, no, it's going to be gone by the summer. We're going to be fine. And that's appropriate because people are hopeful, but trying to quickly say, nope, the volumes are going to come. People are going to get sick and we're going to have to respond and be available for them when they need us most was a good challenge for us at Grand Rounds. And I think it really taught us that we're going to go to from, let's say, 1x volume that we were running in January, February to 10, 15, 20x that volume over the summer. And it continues to be very high volumes today. And then just being nimble. So Every week we learn something new about both the disease and now about the treatments and the vaccinations and quickly understanding how to manage new content and get knowledge to our front lines as quickly as possible has been a goal of ours. And I think we've really changed how we do that in light of COVID. I think on a personal level, I feel like healthcare is always humbling. I really do learn something new about healthcare every day, but COVID is about as humbling as it can get, right? We could have all the greatest ideas on how to fix things. And when a new unknown unknown shows up, it shows how fragile our healthcare system really is. And I don't think COVID showed us any new problems none of us knew about. I mean, we always knew about the disparities in healthcare. We always knew that we have a very fragmented system that's not nationally coordinated. COVID just exposed those cracks with a bright light. And so a lot of what COVID did, I think, is it just highlighted that we had these cracks and when left unattended, 
they're going to cause really big problems. And that's what we sort of saw this year. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I'm glad to hear that you all have been nimble when COVID was starting to become big here in the U.S. One quote I often cited, especially in the early episodes of the Raise Line podcast, was actually from a surprising source, Lenin, who said, there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. And clearly, I imagine yeah. that you guys probably felt that at Grand Rounds and accelerated some of the initiatives that you you were planning already to meet the demand. I'm definitely going to borrow that quote. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> okay. it's a great quote. You know, and then another one that I've often cited is that uh, you probably know this one too, Andy Grove from Intel, who said, you know, bad companies are destroyed by crisis, good companies survive crises, but great companies are improved by them. Yeah, and I think we hopefully are, I think, in that latter category. We've been very lucky in 2020 to grow faster than we could have imagined and really help people get through this crisis. Totally. I mean, being a 24-7 provider is, is unique and I think obviously patient-centric. I know we're coming up in time, so two more questions. The first is, what advice would you give to people right now considering careers in healthcare or early on in their career in healthcare about meeting the demands and challenges of COVID and beyond? Well, one, if you're considering healthcare, thank you. I think one of the lasting, you had asked the ship, lasting impacts of COVID hopefully will be this re-energizing of people interested in healthcare. You know, in all honesty, when I decided to go to med school, a few people were, were pushing me the other way. They were like, look, you have this business experience. Why don't you just go and be a business person or go join the tech world? And I still decided to go to med school and then do my residency. And there were moments where I wasn't sure if that was the right call but it is so fulfilling. So if you're considering it, thank you. I feel really privileged every day that I have this skill set where I can actually help patients. So consider it and consider it strongly. In terms of actually what we need in our future clinicians and our future leaders in healthcare, I do think it's this openness and curiosity about different ways to solve problems. So I think you know, we go into these schools and we learn one way of thinking. If we're going to solve these intractable problems that have been exposed by COVID or existed before, we're really going to need people who can lead across disciplines. And so, you know, one thing I would encourage is if you're in medical school or if you are in residency, reaching out to colleagues in business schools or law schools or engineering schools, and not just being the clinician SME, the subject matter expert, or being the person who brings up the clinical stuff, but really trying to lead in those multidisciplinary organizations to make sort of measurable change would go a long way. And I think we'll see a better healthcare system if if we open up our thinking as folks in healthcare, if we can do that. The other piece I'll say is even within healthcare, we have to be integrated. I think COVID exposed how much behavioral health need there is. And I think the siloization of behavioral health and physical health needs to go away. We treat people and we don't, nobody treats an organ. The organ belongs to a person. And so I think pushing all of us in healthcare to treat the person, you might have an area of expertise, but thinking about how that, that area affects everything else that the person is going through, I think can really push us to do better. That's some very good advice. And 
on our last point, one thing I'll mention is that, you know, we obviously, we train healthcare professionals, medical nursing, PA at osmosis and language matters. And so one thing we're actively doing, and hopefully other, other training groups will do this as well, is seeing people as people, not like even the language that you say in question stems to prepare for exams, where instead of a diabetic patient or a homeless patient, a person experiencing homelessness, a person with diabetes, that stuff, I mean, over, you know, when you're looking at it once, probably doesn't make a difference. But if you're looking at it again and again for years, and start just looking at them as a pancreas as opposed to as opposed to a person with a pancreas that has, you know, diabetes. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, healthcare will always be human. I know there are people out there that think you can get rid of the human aspect of healthcare. I'm not in that camp. I think the future of healthcare is definitely more technology and technology enabled. But this is a person-to-person endeavor. What happens when you're talking to your doctor is what happens when you're talking to a person. The doctor is a person, or the nurse is a person, or the PA is a person, and the patient's a person. And it's that therapeutic relationship that that really brings the better outcome. Totally. Well, I know we're at time, but my last question is, is there anything else you'd like our audience to know about you, about Grand Rounds, about getting involved, You know, whatever else you'd like to be able to share with them? Yeah, I would just say for everyone who's listening, keep an open mind on where the opportunities are to change healthcare. If you want to change healthcare, it's not going to be a linear path. And if you look at companies like Grand Rounds that are trying to change healthcare, there's a lot of opportunity to make things better, both in the traditional systems and outside. And so make sure you're keeping an open mind, being continuously curious. And thank you for trying to fix healthcare. Well, thank you, Dr. Perek. Really appreciate you taking the time to be with us and more importantly, the work that you do at Grand Rounds and as a provider yourself to raise line. Thank you. And with that, I'm Shivani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.